fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Well, back. What's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Rotor Street, RotorStreetGerald.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to welcome on for the first time, Mr. Bob Condota, who's covered the Seahawks for nine years now over at the Seattle Times. Previously covered Washington football for 16 years, so he's been a just genius in the game. We're so excited to pick his brain and learn more about what's going on over there in Seattle. Bob, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing, man? Sure. Yeah, doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Excited to talk the Seattle Seahawks, especially want to kind of start at the top here from an offense's perspective. The Seahawks don't really have a ton of huge names, but there is a potentially huge key change happening, and that's Brian Schottenheimer, the bane of many fantasy owners' existence just because he didn't let Russ cook or so that the movement was among us fantasy football owners. He's since been fired and now replaced with the Rams passing game corner, Shane Waldron. Now I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit, start there, and then we can get into the key specific pieces after uh, what's like the big picture you're kind of seeing here though, with this scheme, should we expect any big changes under Waldron? Well, yeah, I don't know that it'll be huge changes. Like you'll watch the Seahawks offense and you'll just go, man, that looks so much different than last year. I think I think a lot of things are going to be more subtle. I think one of the one of the things I think they want to do is play a little bit more up tempo, not necessarily no huddle, but just up tempo. Um, you know, Russell Wilson's always been very good in, in those kinds of situations, you know, late game, two minute kind of things. And so I right. think there's a desire to try to do that a little bit more, um, try to just get that a little smoother. Um, they felt like they had some issues, I think, at times last year in some of those settings where maybe they didn't maximize it as much as they should have. And then Waldron comes from the, you know, the, 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 the obviously the huge attraction for getting him is that he comes from that Sean McVay um, offense, which features a lot of pre-snap motion and, you know, a lot of trying to just disguise things at the line of scrimmage, you know, lining up and a lot of different formations running the same plays out of, out of, out of, out of uh, different formations and different looks and things like that, just kind of trying to create that element of, of disguise a little bit. And I think those are things that, that um, you know, maybe they felt they needed to do a little bit more, um, do a little bit better um, than they had, had done in the past. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk too about just getting, doing more things to get the ball out of Russ's hands a little bit more quickly, shorter passes and things like that. Um, you know, they tried to do that. I, I would defend Brian Schottenheimer on this. I think they tried to do that last year. I don't I don't think it was like he never thought about that. You know, he's smarter than that. Um, you know, everybody was saying in the in the playoff loss, throw to the tight end more. Well, they threw seven passes to the tight ends. They just yeah. they just only completed one of them. Um, you know, it was more about how they did it than what they did. Um, and so that's sort of I think what they're trying to do this year is just, you know, figure out how to do some of these things a little bit better. Than they had done in the past so you know not so much necessarily reinventing the wheel but um but you know i would argue too that if you just have russell throw short all the time you're taking away what is his best right. thing which is throwing deep and you know so that's that was another thing you know they struggled with last year was teams were really playing them you know the P. Carroll, pretty frankly after the season said you know a lot of teams just cut and 
um, you know, um, two deep zones that tried to take the deep ball away from us. And we need to adjust to that more. But the reality is if you let a team just take away what you do best, you know, you're sort of giving into them too. You still got to figure out how to do that. And when you've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who are two of the best, um, you know, deep, deep ball receivers in the NFL and Russell, who may be the single best deep, deep ball passer in the NFL, you know, you've got to figure out a way to still make, uh, make those plays happen. So, you know, you're not, it's, this isn't going to be nothing, but just dinking and dunking all over the place. But I do think they want to get to where when they, when they feel like that's uh, something they want to do more the throwing deep, the throwing short stuff that they do it better than they did it last year. 100% tempo, a big thing after Seattle ranked, I believe it took us right from your article, 19th in the NFL last year at seconds per play, 27.72. They were also 14th in pre-snap motion. So just those two little subtle changes could go a long way. Do you think, we'll get into Russell specifically and how he might fit into this system. You just mentioned that they are going to continue to hopefully throw it deep, given it's such a big strength of his. Uh, do you think they're going to throw it more often in this offense, or do you think it still will be pretty run heavy as it has been under his tenure with Pete Carroll here? Well, I guess what qualifies as run heavy. I mean, last year in, you know, the, you can, you can find a million different stats if you want, but in sort of play neutral situations, the Seahawks threw it quite a bit, you know, they, they were pretty high up there, especially early in the year. Um, you know, part of what happened was they, they, they had some injuries on their offensive line. They weren't passing pass blocking as well the second half of the year because a lot of those guys just weren't there anymore. Um, their center, Ethan Posick, got hurt, missed, missed the game. Um, you know, their right tackle, Brandon Shell was, was in and out of the lineup a little bit. Um, their, their guard spot with Mike Ayupati, um, you know, he, he was an older player who they tried to basically get one more year out of, and it just didn't really work out. So they sort of had some issues like that that, that came to a fore. And, and, you know, when they played some teams early in the year, they were really able to have some success with it. When they played, especially when they got into division games, teams that know them well, especially the Rams, um, you know, the Rams know how to play them. And um, it, it didn't work quite as well. So, you know, Pete wanted to get a little bit more conservative in those games and sort of not lose the game before you go win it. I don't think that philosophy of Pete's is going to change. You know, he, yeah. he, he turns 70 next month. He sort of is who he is. And, he, yeah. and he's... And, and it's kind of funny for Pete being, you know, kind of this always compete, look on the bright side of life guy. He's very risk averse when it comes to his football team. His biggest thing, you know, his, his biggest thing is don't turn the ball over. And so they're always going to want to try to be as careful, you know, win the turnover margin, don't turn the ball over. Um, you know, his number one stated, you can find 8,000 uh, quotes of him saying, you know, his number one philosophy in football is it's all about the ball. And that was the problem was at midseason, Russell had a span of four games where he had 10 turnovers and they lost the three yeah. games where he had all the turnovers. And, you know, so they wanted to rein that in a little bit and they felt like they had to because of where things were with their line and with some of the defenses they were playing um, and things like that. So it really wasn't like a, we just don't want to throw the ball anymore. It was just sort of a, a bunch of circumstances. Um, you know, obviously they're hoping their, their offensive line um, kind of makes it through this season a little better, you know, adding Gabe Jackson to that instead of, instead of basically he's just going to replace Ayu Potty is really the only change they made. But, um, you know, with that and with, uh, as we were discussing earlier, maybe an offense that just is a little bit better, has some more answers on um, taking, you know, kind of mitigating the pressure that defenses bring and, play, you know, making them maybe not be as aggressive in some situations. Um, you know, maybe that'll allow for that, but you know, they're always going to continue to run it to a certain extent. And, you know, they've got, they resigned Chris Carson in the off season and they're going to want to keep using him. Um, and, you know, Pete Carroll just believes that's, that's a good way to play. The other thing about it is Russell's a really big part of their running game. And I know that doesn't help from a fantasy perspective, maybe at all, but Russell Wilson's, you know, one of the two or three best running quarterbacks, I think in the history of the NFL. 
And, you know, so when people say running takes the ball out of Russell's hands, I argue the opposite a lot of times. All those zone replays are Russell being given the option to do what he wants with the ball. Um, you know, so it can be, it can look like a handoff, like, or they're just, but a lot of times it's not, they're, they're, they're just telling Russell, you can run it if you want, or hand it off. If that's what you see with the zone read. And, uh, um, you know, he had, I think he had the average 6.2 yards per carry or whatever it was last year. I mean, Russell was very effective running and that's, that's always going to remain a big part of their offense too, is, is that aspect of the running game. Yeah. And, and football, fantasy football owners actually love that when the quarterback runs, they call it the quote Konami code, it's like a cheat code because of how many more points they rack up. I don't know if you play much fantasy yourself, but the I, rushing I points, you know, play. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we got to get you back into it sometime then. I'll be yeah, happy. Well, well, covering the game, it's sort of just, yeah, you kind of. Right. Exactly. In the thick of it. Uh, well, yeah. So you mentioned it was kind of towards the second half of the season. It sounds like it might've been the line that contributed, but it was, it almost looked like two different Seattle offenses in Russell Wilson's. I mean, for those first eight games, they were leading the NFL with 34.25 points per game. The second half, they were bottom 10 with just 23.75 points per game. Russell had 28 touchdowns in that first eight contest, but then just 12 in the back eight. He went from the quarterback two in fancy all the way down to quarterback 15. Uh, so do you think that really was significant? Like just the line was the biggest cause for that. Is there other reasons there was such a drastic difference between the, the first half and second half? Well, the, part of it was, so they played the Rams, you know, twice and then three times if you include the playoffs and in, in yeah. the final nine games. And so the Rams just going back to, you know, the Rams have been the biggest thorn in, in Seattle side from a defensive standpoint yeah, ever since Russell got there in 2012. I mean, you can go, you can go look at Russell's stats. He, he has had a lot of bad games against the Rams. They just with, with Aaron Donald and that line, it's just always been a really tough matchup for them. Um, and they played the Cardinals in there. They played the 49ers, um, you know, the division opponents just, you know, I think, I think know how to play them a little bit better. Uh, you know, the 49ers obviously last year had, had, you know, the defensive coordinator was a guy from Seattle staff. He knew exactly what, yeah. what the Seahawks were doing. So, um, you know, a little bit of it was that, you know, they played a game in Washington on a, on a bad field that they led the whole way. So they sort of just sat on the ball, you know, once they got a lead and, and obviously Washington came back, almost came back, but, um, you know, they took the big lead early and sort of just sat on the ball. So, you know, there were some things that, that kind of made the statistics, I think, you know, and, and the Jets game, you know, they led 30 to three at halftime and they never ran the ball. Or never threw the ball again in the second half. So there were some things like that, that, that I think impacted the statistics a little bit. But as I mentioned earlier, when they had that spate of turnovers, they wanted to get a little bit more conservative with their play calls for sure. You know, they felt like the defense was getting better. That was the other thing that played into it. But, you know, once Jamal Adams got healthy, once they traded for Carlos Dunlap, they felt like the defense was getting better. And so they could go back to a little bit more of that. Let's win with the defense and ball control game. Um, instead of having to air it out as much as much as they did, you know, some of the airing it out early was simply because they kept playing these shootout games, you know, they were going down to the, they had three games, essentially, I think three of the first five games went down to essentially the final minute, um, you know, the New England, Dallas and Minnesota games that all just went, you know, so they were having to do whatever it took to keep scoring in those games, you know, in the second half of the year, uh, they had a few games, they didn't have to do or a game against the Giants where they just, you know, were, were hideous from the start, just couldn't do anything. So um, certainly I wouldn't argue that the offense played as well the second half of the year, but I, I really don't think it was this quantum like, oh, we just don't want to throw the ball anymore. I just think it, a lot of it was circumstances, some circumstantial stuff that happened. And, um, but certainly, you know, I think the playoff game in particular, um, you know, exposed some things about 
their offense and how it works that made them want to make the change and, and, and uh, bring in Shane Waldron. And, and, you know, I, I think they realize there's some, you know, to get back to the Super Bowl, there's some teams you're going to have to beat that have really good defenses and you're going to have to have, you're going to have to be a really well-rounded offense that can do a lot of different things. It can't be really easily defended. And I think that's what they felt like happened was once teams really started kind of ganged up the two deep zone, tried to take, tried to, keep everything underneath that the Seahawks weren't real good at doing the, the doing the throw underneath stuff. And so that's what they want to get better at for sure. Whether they want to do more of it. I, you know, I don't know if they necessarily want to do it more. I think they just want to do it better. Um, you know, they just want to be able to, if teams are going to do that, you know, like I said, in the Rams game, you can go back and look, it wasn't like they didn't try to throw short and get the ball out of Russell's hands quickly. You know, the, the big play in the game was a play where they tried to get the ball out of Russell's hands quickly and, and Darius Williams, uh, yeah. Darius Williams for the Rams picked it off and ran it back for a pick six. You know, that was just basically right. your basic wide receiver screen kind of thing, which is the kind of thing which, you know, can work well and maybe gain, get you 20 easy cheap yards. They just, they didn't do a lot of that stuff real well down the stretch last year. And that's what they need. That's what they want from Shane Waldron is to incorporate some of those elements of the Rams offense where they do do it well. You know, the Rams aren't throwing it deep all the time. They do a lot of just kind of short stuff where they get the ball, the guys in space and they make plays, they, they get yards that way. And that's, that's an aspect of it. The Seahawks really want to incorporate for sure. Absolutely. And, and how has that kind of install been? Like how has this marriage, you know, obviously Russell's such a good quarterback. He'll probably be good in any system that you, you put him in. But how has that marriage between the OC and Russell Wilson been so far? Does it look like they're improving in that intermediate range? Does it look like this is going to be a good fit between the two? I mean, this early in training camp, it's really hard to make True. big judgments of that. Um, you know, we've only seen them two days in pads and all of that. Um, you know, certainly we've seen them do it. So, you, you know, um, they're, they're, certainly there's, there's some things they're doing that way that you can that you can tell they are trying to do that. You know, players have talked openly about the, the tempo part in particular, that, you know, that's a really big emphasis and they are working on that a lot. Um, I, I'm not going to say after watching two padded practices, yeah. whether they're better at any of this, you know, I think we need to wait a while to, to say that, but certainly they are trying to do these things and, and we'll see if they can, if, if they can do them once we get into the season. Absolutely. I always like to too, when we do these writers with the, uh, the beat interviews, uh, look at the Vegas lines that they've set for them and see if you think these are fair projections. And Russell's set right now at 4,250 and a half yards and 33 and a half touchdowns. Do you think those are reasonable? Do you think he hits the overs or the unders on those? Yeah, the touchdowns. I mean, and again, it's funny because for all the talk about their offense last year, Russell set a franchise record career high with 40 touchdowns. They <laughs> yeah. set a franchise record for points in a season without getting a single defensive or special teams touchdown for the first time in their history. So, um, you know, they, they did score a lot of points, but right. um, they just didn't do it at the right times um, down the stretch, especially, uh, you know, especially in the playoff game, essentially. Um, I would take the over on the touchdowns, I think. I mean, I think it's reasonable to think he's, he's got a chance to, you know, he's, he's, he's bettered that mark a few times here. I, I don't have his numbers right in front of me. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but he's definitely hit, um, you know, yeah. above, above that number, I think at least three times in his career, including last year with 40, um, the 42 fifties, a little, that's, that's, that would be right at about the cusp of, of what I would think. So that's a, that's a well-set line for sure. Um, I probably take the under on that, you know, again, the way Pete Carroll envisions this is it's an offense that, you know, you, you throw to get into the end zone, but you might run to get down there kind of thing. You know, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't know that, uh, I think ideally they wouldn't throw it that much, for the yards, um, you know, they would do some things to set up some things, but for sure the big plays in the passing game, to get the touchdowns. So I would probably take the over on the touchdowns with the under on the yards. 
I like it. Yeah. And I just looked it up. He's been over that touchdown mark in three of the last four seasons. Uh, yeah. So you, you stir in an extra game for him too. I love that mark. I think 33 and a half. Yeah, that's true. Totally I totally forgot about that aspect of it. Yeah. I throw in the 17th game for sure. Exactly. I, I'm with you. I think that's an easy one to hammer right there. 33 and a half touchdowns for him. Well, one person I'm very intrigued to see how he will fit in a, a more intermediate, more run after the catch type of scheme is DK Metcalf. Cause for so much of his, it's an early career, but a lot of his route tree seems to be just go, go get the ball. Like, and they maximize this insane physical specimen that they have. Uh, but it might be intriguing to see how he could fare in this intermediate game uh, that, that Waldron's putting in. I know, like you said, it's only a couple days in camp, so it's, it's tough to make any sweeping judgments over it. Uh, but do you think this is something that could benefit DK? And, and how do you see his usage maybe growing or being different within this scheme? Yeah, that's those are great questions. I, I don't know that I can specifically answer them yet without really seeing anything. But um, for sure, I, that's where I go back to, though. I think you're giving in if you just say we're going to do nothing but throw it short to DK because he's such a good he's so good at getting open deep. I think you I think you have to do that a lot. Right. So I don't know that they're going to change DK's role a ton. Um, I think if you I, I think the the throwing the ball shorter and all of that is you do it more to the other guys, you know, Tyler Lockett, whoever emerges as the third receiver, you know, they drafted uh, Dwayne Eskers. I think they really drafted him with that in mind. I think they, they view him as a guy who uh, could really be a guy that you're, you're getting the ball to in space quite a bit, but I think DK is going to remain their number one deep threat target. And, and I think he should, you know, again, that's what he's yeah. really good at. And I think he's one of the best in the NFL at that. So I don't know that I see his role changing a ton in that, you know, maybe, maybe they do try to get him a few more targets that way. Again, you know, the, that key play in the playoff game, they were trying, that was, that was a pass to DK. They got picked off there. Um, so they do need to do those things better um, for sure. I, I don't know that, but again, I don't know that they're just going to take that out of, you know, say DK, don't do anything, you know, don't run any routes longer than 10 yards or anything like that. You know, I think he's still going to be a guy that they really feature in the deep passing game. As, as they should. I, I'm totally in agreement with you. He is, if not the best, you know, top three at getting deep, burning the defense, that size and speed is just unfair. Um, and they've set his line at 1,255 and a half yards and nine TDs. For reference, he had 1,303 yards and 10 TDs last year. Do you think it's just going to be more of the same statistics and he hits those overs? Or do you think this offense might not allow him to flourish and hit those numbers quite as, as high? Yeah, that. I mean, that was a lot of yards last year, despite everything. I know everybody thinks he could get more, but I mean, that, that too set a franchise record. And, um, yeah. you know, that, that's still a lot of yards. And if they are able to add D Eskridge and Gerald Everett, you know, they signed Gerald Everett, they expect him to be a really big part of things. That was something they did struggle with last year was their tight ends. No doubt about it. They had signed Greg Olson. They expected him to be a much bigger factor in the offense than he turned out to be. And that, again, that was one of the things that defenses figured out as the year went on was like, Seattle's not doing real well, throwing the, you know, with their tight ends. And, and they, they expect this year's Gerald Everett to, to be a bigger factor in that. Um, I think they expect that Will, Will Disley to get back to where he was at the beginning of the 2019 season. I think his injuries last year impacted him a lot more. Yeah. Um, then was sort of let on at the time. And so I think it was hard for him to get right back to where he had been. But if you do that, if you're spreading the ball out around more guys, I don't know that DK's numbers are necessarily going to, are necessarily going to increase. So I, I probably would be hesitant to bet too many under uh, too many overs on, on DK, just because I think if this offense is working well, it's not going to be as dependent on one guy to carry everything. That makes total sense. Uh, another guy that did shoulder a lot of the load last year was Tyler Lockett. 
Uh, and that was a bit of a roller coaster for fantasy owners last year. He did set a career high in receptions, 100. He had a career high in targets with 110. Uh, and, and his fantasy points looked solid as the wide receiver ate 265 fantasy points there, fishing just behind DK. So both of their final numbers were good. It was just a bit up and down throughout the year. Uh, he was pretty boomer bust because he had four top 12 games, including like a 33 point effort, a 50 point game on that crazy Arizona contest on Sunday night it was wild. But he also had seven games under 10 fancy points. It kind of just ruined your, your, your week for you for a lot of owners outside the top 36 receivers. Do you think he finds a little more stability in this offense or is it still going to be kind of that boom bust nature to his weeks? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would be surprised if it's quite as boomer bust as last year. I don't think that's really been Lockett's um nature previous to last year uh, and, and you're right the, the the one arizona game you know was the one where patrick peterson just sort of took metcalf out of the game right and so the docs you know again they people get on coaches for why do you do things but in that game it made sense to not yeah. throw it to the guy who's not so dk metcalf wasn't open that game patrick peterson had him well covered so you throw it to Lockett because he was getting open and um you know so that's that's what they did and so it wasn't necessarily like a game plan thing going into it that where they necessarily were like yeah this is how it's going to go it just sort of you know evolved a little bit as the game went on especially once they saw that peterson was um following following metcalf around which he's had some success doing um right. in the couple of years that dk's been in the nfl um so you know that was that was that really played into that that game for sure um, and, uh, so I, you know, I, I, again, I think ideally if this offense is working the way they want it to, the ball is going to be spread around pretty evenly to everybody, every game. And so I, I don't know that they're, they're going to want to have it be quite a, quite, you know, quite that way where it's one or two guys carrying it quite as much. So I, I would expect Lockett's numbers to probably even out and be a little more consistent this year than they were last year. Gotcha. Um, yeah, steadying out a bit. Hopefully that, that would be the, the goal there. Because his final stats had 1,054 uh, yards, 10 TDs, solid, solid stats that just came in such bunches or, or nothing for a while. And considering those final stats, his line right now is 1,000.5 yards and 7.5 TDs. Do you feel any better about that than the DK line? Like, Is that something you might entertain as an over, or is that still you know, pushing the line because they might spread it out so much? Yeah, I don't know if I'd take the yards. I don't know if I'd go over the I, the 17th game, I guess, is obviously a thing here to consider. True. So I, I keep just having in my head what he's done in the past. Um, you know, maybe with the 17th game, you could think that I would take the over on the touchdowns, though. I, I you know, I think, again, if, if this offense is working the way they hope it to, I, I think Tyler Lockett would be a guy who would score, you know, um, that's less than one touchdown every two games I, I, at seven and a half. So I, I, I would I would probably go ahead if I really had to bet that one and take the over. Gotcha. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned D Eskridge, the rookie coming in. I know he's been a little bit banged up so far, so I don't know if you've had, you've had a chance to really get a look at what he can do and how he's shaping up in this offense. Uh, but last year, as you, it really was just those two horses, DK and Tyler, Moore was next with only 47 looks. Assuming Eskridge does get healthy and he fits, do you think that's about the right workload there, around 50 looks? Do you think there's room for more? Uh, is there anybody else stepping up? What, what are your thoughts on that third receiver situation? Yeah, we haven't seen him at all. So I had to be honest, he's been on the pup list. He, he's had a toe injury. We really didn't see him in the offseason program either. Um, but there would have been very little to make out of that, the way that was structured this year. So it's really hard to, to, to really guess, other than the fact that they took him in the second round. You know, that, that's the second yeah. highest pick they spent on a receiver in the time Pete Carroll's been here. So obviously that comes with some expectations from the organization that, you know, they want it, that they think he can be a big part of things. So 
um, you know, I, it, the way the roster is constructed, it's definitely wide open for him to become that third receiver. You know, the, after yeah. him, they have Freddie Swain and Penny Hart, who were essentially the fourth and fifth receivers last year. Um, you know, they like Freddie Swain and, and he did some good things last year, but I just think logically, I think it's Eskridge's job to, to win or lose, assuming he can get out there fairly quickly. Obviously, if he can't get out there, then it's, then it's probably going to be Freddie Swain um, by default, unless they go, unless they go get a veteran. They were, they were, uh, they were known to um, have wanted to try to sign D.D. Westbrook and um, you know, so I, it, it would not stun me at all if they were a team that got involved with uh, veteran receivers who, who uh, might uh, you know, become available via waivers or whatever as, as training camp goes along. Uh, but at the moment, yeah, I, 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 would, I really have no idea what D.S. Chris is going to do because we have not seen him do anything. So to guess how many catches D.S. Chris might have, um, you know, I, if, if you want to throw money at that, <laughs> I guess go ahead. But um, I, I really don't know uh, exactly what to expect out of him. What I would say is that the, the sort of the de facto third receiver right now, though, too, is Gerald Everett. Um, you know, he's a guy that they're going to split out a lot, you know, and how they want to do things. They're going to play a lot of two tight ends. They're going to have um, Gerald Everett and Will Disley on the field together a lot. Um, you know, as, as you saw them do last year, when they, when they had another receiving tight end, as they did with Greg Olson last year, um, to pair with Disley, they had Disley in line a lot more. They really like his blocking ability as well. Um, and that's what helped take away a lot of Disley's targets last year also. And I think that's how they they view this with Everett and Disley is that Everett is the guy at the tight end. He's going to be split out a lot more and get a lot more targets probably. And Disley's the guy who's going to be in line a little bit more and still get targets and hopefully get the kind of targets where, you know, he's really, he's really in good matchups because he's on the line. And, you know, if you find, if you get him matched up against a, a linebacker or something like that, where he can really take advantage of that. The, 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 the other guy who's been really good in, in, in practice so far is Colby Parkinson, who was tight end. They took in the fourth round last year and basically yes. didn't play last year because he suffered a broken foot and he was active and he got a few snaps here and there but but didn't really do anything and uh, but this year you know they really expect him and he's another guy I think you could see split split out a lot so you know it's it's, it's one of those things where you might have to have to deviate from what you think of as a third receiver with this team and the, the third receivers could easily be the tight end core and you know I think they're a group that they're really going to want to get involved a lot more and do some things with this year um, you know so I think that's sort of their head especially if, if Eskridge is not able to you know, get back real quickly or whatever, you know, that they've got these tight ends that they can get it to, um, you know, we've seen Parkinson make a lot of big plays so far early on in things. And he's, you know, he's six, seven and, and runs pretty well. He's a, he's a, he's a real, he's a real noticeable target out there. So, um, you know, he's the guy I would expect if there's, if you're looking for a real sleeper on this team to maybe come from out of nowhere and be a guy who catches four or five touchdowns or something like that. Um, you know, he'd be my guy. Absolutely. That's an intriguing name for sure. Uh, it might take an injury or something for, for Disley or Everett to really open up that playing time, but maybe not. Maybe they can get these three guys uh, involved. I am definitely intrigued by Everett, especially because he comes over from the Rams. He has that experience with Waldron before, so he at least has some idea of what he can do. Have you had a chance to see what he's looking like on the field? I don't know if he was banged up a little early in camp. Is it, does it look like him and Wilson have a good rapport going together so far? Yeah, he, he was, he, he missed a day or two, um, so, but we have seen him out there and uh, for sure. I, I, I think we've started to see that again. I, I mean, we really, they really only had like five on field practices. So, um, you know, and only two in pads so far. So it's hard to make sweeping judgments of those kinds of things. Um, yeah. But, uh, um, you know, in the way the off season program went, the veterans not being there, we really didn't see anything in the off season program from, from those guys, but um, for sure, I mean, I, again, they, they expect a lot from him. I mean, you know, he signed a guy to, to a contract the way they did and, and all that. Um, 
you know, they definitely expect him to be the, you know, I think, I think kind of the starting tight end, probably. I think he and this, I think are sort of one A and one B on that. And it's just sort of what the game plan is, who plays more or whatever. But, um, but I think uh, for sure, I, I think they, you know, the, the numbers he had last year, um, I think they would hope he would, he would in, in improve on those this year and that he could be a guy, you know, maybe he can make 50 catches or something like that. You know? Um, go back to look at like when Jimmy Graham was here, the kind of numbers he put up as a tight end, which I know were maybe what everybody thought they would be, but they were still not bad. Um, you know, I think if they could get back to that kind of production out of a tight end, um, you know, I think that's what they'd like. And I think maybe Everett can get close to that. So, uh, you know, for sure, the fact that he has been in a, a really similar offense, at least with Waldron and, you know, has that familiarity, um, should allow him to hit the ground running, you know, maybe much more quickly than a, than a, you know, a guy who's coming to a new team. Absolutely. And those Jimmy Graham days too. Uh, Wilson loved peppering him in the red zone. I think he had what 10 touchdowns one year, six the year before he was leading the NFL in red zone targets that 2017 at one point, maybe even finished the season at the top inside the five, if I'm not mistaken. So hopefully that type of role fantasy, you know, the touchdowns are what we always go for. Uh, he's a pretty big boy. So that, that could work out really well if he does put up those Jimmy Graham numbers um, for sure. Well, that, that kind of covers all the receiving weapons. Would love to pick your brain just real quick on the running game as well. Considering the Rams have been so prolific in the run game since McVay arrived there, they've been top 10 in rush touchdowns all four years he's there. They've been top 10 in yards and attempts in three of his four seasons. So it definitely is the a big staple of this offense. They always talk about marrying that run and pass game uh, McVay does. And Todd Gurley had insane fantasy seasons for a couple of years in that system. Did you think it's going to be the same exact type of run game that Waldron's going to implement that, that he brought over from the Rams? And how do you think Carson fares in it? Well, like I say, the, what'll be really different is they'll keep the zone read aspect of it. I don't think the Rams did that a whole lot. I don't think they were asking Jared. I don't think they wanted Jared, Jared Goff in too many situations where he was going to run it. The right. Seahawks will all do that with Russell and find, you know, and find ways to, to, um, you know, they, they really like to do that a lot early. And I know that's another thing that drives fans crazy sometimes. Why do you start out running the ball? But part of it is, I, I know they've always felt like we want to establish the idea in opponents that Russell could take off running at any time and that that's something you're going to have to account for defensively. And, and they feel like that opens things up. And, you know, that's why a lot of times you see them early on, they do call uh, you know, the zone reads to try to just, you know, remind opponent, remind that defensive end over there that if you don't account for Russell, if you don't, you know, if you don't stay over there and, and you're guarding that edge, Russell's just going to keep the ball and run around it. And he can yeah. do this whenever he wants. And, um, you know, so that, that, that will remain a key part of the, uh, of their offense. Shane Waller is not going to get rid of that. Um, so that'll be what would look different about the offense, you know, the running part of the offense from the, from the Rams part of it. And, and Chris Carson's a really good, you know, he, he's really good at that. Just like Marshawn Lynch was, there's, there's a little bit of an art to the zone read and being able to read exactly, you know, what you do then do when the, when the quarterback hands you the ball, when maybe you don't know for sure, the quarterback's going to hand yeah. you the ball. Um, and, uh, you know, Chris Carson is, is really good at that. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that part, I think that will remain a staple of the running game. Um, I'm sure there will be some subtle differences to how they do some of the rest of it. But I think the basic zone aspect of their run game, you know, that, that's always been a big, a, a big what's a, been a big part of their running game in general. Um, I think they'll keep a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that's just something Pete, Pete really likes. Um, Mike Solari, who's the offensive line coach, was retained. Um, you know, and that's a big part of what he does as well. And, uh, you know, so I, I think they'll I think they'll continue to keep much of that. I don't know that the running game will look a, a ton different, really. Uh, but what 
you know, might look different though, is the getting the running backs involved in the passing game a little bit more. Um, you know, I think that's something that McVay really likes to McVay and the Rams have always really liked to do. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, they'll try to do. Chris Carson is a, is a good receiver. Rashad Penny, um, before he got hurt a couple years ago, um, you know, was starting to make some big plays in the passing game. And, yeah. and I think they, I think they think he's got that kind of ability too. Um, and, and their other running backs are guys, um, the, the two guys they drafted in the last couple of years, both DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, are guys they also felt that you know, Dallas played receiver for a little while in in, uh, in college. Um, you know, so have always been guys they felt like were uh, could be really good um, kind of receivers, in, in, you know, running backs who can receive, um, make make plays out of the backfield kind of thing. So, um, you know, I think that's a part when you talk about the short passing game and stuff like that. The involvement of the running backs in that as receivers um, is something that you might see more of. Absolutely. Yeah. There was a report yesterday or a couple of days ago, I saw on Twitter that DJ Dallas has been the most impressive pass catching back. I, as you said, it's only been a couple of padded practices and five or so practices. So there's no generalizations we can make from there. Uh, but they were even speculating if that continued, he might take over the third down back role. Do you think that is a possibility? Because that would definitely cap a little bit of Carson's fantasy upside if you take away those receiving chances. Well, Car- but Carson's always come. I, I don't think that would change Carson's role at all. I mean, Carson's all, he's never been the third down back. I, you know, the Seahawks have always had a really clear delineation there. And, and whoever their main back, you know, if it was Marshawn Lynch or, or you know, when it became Chris Carson, um, generally they come off the field on third down. Um, and I don't think that's been any different, really. Um, so I, I don't know that that would change. They, they, you know, they've always wanted to have that, you know, for all the years when it was Marshawn, they had Robert Turbin in that role. And it was, it was yeah. pr- pretty clearly defined. And you generally saw Turbin come on the field and in those situations. And um, that's the role they've envisioned. Like I say, Dallas, you know, went and played receiver for a little while in high school, had that background. Um, or in college, uh, I think you, I think you, I think that was in his initial position at Miami, um, and uh, so when they drafted him, they you know they were pretty open about that 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 they felt that, that that's what he could be. Um, really, there are only two sort of guys who for the third down back role are him and Homer, and, and Travis Homer's on the pup list right now with no real clear ETA when he's going to be back. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, it would be Dallas. You know, if the season started today, that would be his role. I think. Um, they wanted to really hand that role to him last year. He really struggled in pass blocking that really caught, you know, that was a big, that was a big factor in the loss at Arizona. Um, there were some plays down the stretch that, that Dallas had to play in that game when um, kind of had to play most of it at the end when they had some injuries there. And uh, um, he's got to get a little bit better at that part, I think, before they fully trust him in that role. Mm. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I would think in year two, he, he can, he can pick up on that a lot better. And if he does, I, I think he could easily have that role. Um, you know, certainly it's an interesting running back core that way. I think, you know, you, um, because the other guy who could fit into that is Penny. I, I think they'll try to get Rashad Penny on the field quite a bit, you know, as long as he proves he's healthy and, and I think they view, think he could, you know, he could, he could, uh, do a lot of the third down two minute kind of stuff too. So, um, I, I think that's a little bit open, but I do think if the season started today, it would probably be DJ Dallas because I think he sort of fits the overall profile of what they like out of that position the best. Very intriguing. Yeah, Penny was the last guy I wanted to ask about in the backfield. We've seen Carson deal with injuries throughout all of his professional seasons so far. So the backup running back has been a, a good streaming fill-in quite often for uh, fantasy owners. Would you think that would be Penny? Would he be the immediate like next early down and potentially, as you mentioned, some some receiving work as well? Will that be Penny in 2021? And how is he kind of looking so far? Is he healthy? Yeah, he's been he's been healthy so far. Yeah, he's 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 been out there and been able to do everything. So for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think as of today, he, he would be the other guy there. You know, they, they re-signed Alex Collins um, and, you know, th- and they like him as well. 
Um, I think right now, you know, if they kept four running backs with Homer being hurt, I think it's just pretty clear. It'd be Carson, Penny, Collins, and, and DJ Dallas. And, and uh, um, you know, that's what you'd go with. And, uh, you know, you'd, and you'd find roles for all those guys. But especially, you know, I think I, um, Rashad Penny is obviously always going to be a controversial pick and everything. But if you really go back and look at his numbers, he, he's, he's had a real propensity for big plays. And he, and he had had probably his two best games before um, with the Seahawks before he got hurt in 2019. Um, and, um, you know, he basically had the, had the key play that got him a win at Philadelphia. Um, you know, he had, a, he had, a, a, had a really big play that helped him clinch the, the win early that year at Pittsburgh. He had played really well in that game against Minnesota. Um, so, you know, they definitely, they, they like that sort of change of pace aspect to it. And again, you, you mentioned 17 games. That's the thing with 17 games now is, you know, running backs, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to spread out carries to get running backs through 17 games. But then, especially if you think you get, you know, if your goal is to get into the playoffs and you got to win three more games there, if you got to play 20 football games this year to achieve your goal, um, which is, that's what the Seahawks are, are shooting for is the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you can't just hand Chris Carson the ball 25 times from, from week one and expect he's going to be, um, you know, just as good in February. So for sure, you've got to have uh, guys that you're spreading, spreading things out to. And they definitely, they definitely envision Penny as, as a guy that they'll be able to do that with. So, um, you know, the Seahawks have always done it a little bit more by series, you know, so that they kind of give guys a series. So if they start off the game, you know, Chris Carson would be the guy for series one, series two. Um, you know, maybe if they get into third down situations, he comes off the field on third down, you know, then maybe series three goes to the goes to whoever the the, the kind of the backup complimentary back is. And that, that day, that's sort of been often how they've done it. Um, you know, so Carson ends up with maybe two thirds of the snaps in a game. Um, you know, and the, and the rest of the backs kind of maybe split, you know, 35 to 40% of the snaps kind of thing, depending on how often you get two backs out there. Um, I would envision that would be what they have in mind is kind of how to do it again this year as well. Awesome stuff, Ed Penny. Very intriguing. To, he goes into the last round or two, if at all, in fantasy drafts. Sounds like an intriguing sleeper just for the, the handcuff, we call it upside if something happens to Carson, but also if he's out there for 30-ish percent of the snaps anyways within this offense, the big play propensity that he has could have his own value, even if nothing happens to Carson. So very intriguing there. Well, Bob, this has been incredible. I really, really appreciate all your insight and depth on these answers. We typically wrap up these interviews with 10 very rapid fire, like first name that comes to mind uh, questions. You have a couple minutes just to run through the no huddle offense, we call it. Uh, sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Who do you think's the team's leading rusher and how many yards does he have? Uh, I mean, I think it'll be Chris Carson. There's no reason to think it won't. Um, you know, I, I think he'll get over a thousand. I think he'll get back to that, especially with the 17th game. As soon as he stays healthy, um, I always hate to predict injuries, I guess. So, you know, obviously he missed four games last year and that's what held his numbers down. But, you know, if he can play at least 15 or 16 games, I think he'd get over a thousand yards. Leading receiver and how many yards? Um, I think it'll be DK Metcalf. I, you know, maybe just under a little bit what he did last year. So maybe in the 1200 range. Who do you think is the biggest disappointment on offense for this team? Oh boy. Um, I mean, may, just given how things are going right now, maybe D Eskridge, you know, just the fact that he hasn't been able to get out there at all yet. I certainly would right now, I would temper expectations for, for what to expect out of him until we just physically see him on the field. Who do you think is going to be the team's kind of biggest surprise or breakout player this year? Um, I, you know, Colby Parkinson. I mean, I think if you're really looking for a sleeper, a guy that, you know, maybe your average fan just doesn't know much about, um, you know, if he stays healthy and if he can keep doing what he's doing and, you know, they, they used three tight ends a lot. I mean, I, you know, last year they, they, you know, Jacob Hollister was essentially their third tight end and they were throwing it, to, throw it to, throwing it to him quite a bit. I think he got five targets in the, in the playoff game. Um, you know, they can find ways to do that for sure. So, you know, not necessarily a tight end one or something from 
from a fantasy standpoint, but I think definitely a guy that who could make some plays out there. What about the uh, Seahawks biggest strength as a team is blank. Um, I, just, I think it's still Russell Wilson. I mean, I just think quarterbacks are so important to everything. And, and I think if, you know, if you've got an elite top five quarterback, I think that puts you way ahead of the game of every other team in the NFL. And I think the Seahawks still have that. And what do you consider their biggest team weakness right now? Um, there's some, you know, cornerback is really the position where you, you, where you look at it and you just don't know for sure who it's going to be. And, um, you know, while they have a number of guys who played some games and have done some things and you can point to why you should, why you can be optimistic if it's DJ Reed or Trey Flowers or Akilah Witherspoon, um, you know, certainly you can, you can play devil's advocate on all those guys as well and be like, you know, some of them haven't played that much or you haven't been able to stay healthy or whatever, you know, it's just, it's just different from a Seahawk perspective you know, when just for so many years, you know, you, you knew for sure who the corners were going to be and you knew they were probably going to be two of the better corners in the NFL. And right now it's, it's, it's still a completely, you know, it's still a pretty wide open position for them. What do you think the record's going to be this year? Um, I, I'd probably go about 12 and five or so. I mean, I think, you know, they won 12. It's funny. Every interview I do always seems to have all these negative things about what they did last year. And they won 12 games. Right. <laughs> won the division. You know, they did, even though they lost to the Rams in the playoffs, they did beat the Rams two weeks prior to that in the game that decided right. the division. Um, you know, so it wasn't like they, they couldn't handle the Rams, you know, they just didn't play well, obviously against them in the playoff game, but, um, you know, so I, I, I still think they, they, you know, right now I would pick them to win a division. I just think they're, I, I think they, I, I really like a lot of the moves they made on, on the on the defense. I think the defensive line has a chance to be much better than it was from the start last year. And, uh, you know, I think with what they have at receiver and with Russell, I, I think they're positioned still to be, a, to be a really good team this year. And where do you think they finish the season in terms of like conference ranking or down the road in the playoffs? How far do you think this team makes it? Um, boy, I, I it's so early with before we know injuries and stuff like that. But I, you know, I, I I'd say I, I'd give them to the conference championship game. Maybe I mean that's definitely what this team needs to do for sure. Uh, you know, that's the stated goal. There's no question about it. Is to get past the divisional round. They haven't done that since the last time they got to the playoffs, or I mean, got to the Super Bowl following the 2014 season. You know, and there've been some reasons they've had some tough matchups and some kind of weird situations on the road and, and some of these games and stuff like that that. That, that have happened to them, but um, you know, they just, they've got to, they've got to get themselves in a position where they get home field advantage. And if they can do that, I think they can make a run in the playoffs. Last question here. The Seahawks will win the Super Bowl when blank happens. Um, if Russell Wilson throws 45 touchdown passes this year, you know, I, I think if they, I think if the offense can really take that, that next step that, uh, that is obviously why they hired Shane Walder and, you know, brought him in and made the change that they did there. Uh, you know, if that really can click and, and if they can be uh, an even more efficient offense than they were last year, um, you know, I think they can, I think they can do that. Awesome, Bob. Well, thank you again so, so much for taking the time today. Why you remind our listeners where they can connect uh, with you, find your work and anything you'd like to promote before you head out. Uh, sure. Yeah. Just seattletimes.com is where we have all of our, our Seahawks coverage. And um, you, you can find me on Twitter at, at B Condota. That's B C O N D O T T A. Um, Adam Jude also helps cover the Seahawks for us. You can find him at, at A Jude on Twitter. Um, but, you know, all, all of his work is at Seattle Times as well. So if you just go to the Seattle Times and, and our Seahawks page, um, you know, we have two or three stories there every day about the Seahawks. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Bob. I can look forward to continuing to read your stuff throughout the, uh, the preseason here to see how this offense is developing and everything, but we really, really appreciate your time today. Have a good rest of your week. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Bye. <laughs> we used to have it all. 
but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second down, third effort, touchdown, oh! That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.